1: It is indeed the Bob France Authority. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining us as we get underway at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Wednesday, the fifth morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. And yes, even though it is not yet the sixth morning of the sixth month, D-Day commemorations and celebrations of human courage and spirit and the willingness of the Allies to sacrifice in order to save the world that is not an overstatement. Quite obviously, 75 years ago, we saw the beginning of what would be the saving of the world from tyranny, from fascism, from extremism, from some of the most horrific things, obviously, that the world had seen to that point. So um, D-Day is tomorrow. We're going to save most of our long... Uh, Let me say, we shouldn't say long, that's the wrong word. We're going to save most of our extensive coverage of the 75th anniversary of D-Day for tomorrow's program. Uh, But today, I do want to just obviously point out that there are ceremonies going on in England right now as a part of the president's visit to the UK. Uh, He met with the Queen. Uh, There's a big ceremony that has been held. It's not this morning here or there, rather, of course. It's it's afternoon there, but um, the Queen read a very, very... Uh, emotional statement Queen Elizabeth did uh, about the sacrifice, the shared sacrifice of the Allied soldiers in liberating, eventually liberating Paris, uh, which gave them the direct route to Berlin which of course uh, ended the war and led to Hitler's suicide and the German surrender. So this was a huge, huge day today in the UK and really in, in all of Europe, but tomorrow is when we're going to do most of the real commemoration of Uh, D Day and its 75th anniversary. Tomorrow's program, a little tease here. Uh, on tomorrow's program, we are going to speak with, um, a couple of individuals you're going to want to hear from. Congressman Jim Jordan will offer his, uh, remembrance and his recollection of the events and his historical study of the events. And speaking of history, this is where the real, uh, gain is going to come for all of us in terms of our knowledge base. Bill Federer, American historian. Uh, is going to be joining us uh, at 10.05 tomorrow to give us a real, true, historical view of not only what led to the D-Day invasion and its success, but the role that faith and prayer played in the D-Day invasion, in the entire Allied war effort, quite frankly, uh, at large. Um, And uh, it's going to be really, really an educational event. For those who did not... Attend. Uh, obviously, not everyone could. But for those who did not attend the Freedom Banquet hosted by the Ohio Christian Alliance and Chris Long last month, um, Bill Federer put on. He, he does this slideshow. It's a good twenty to twenty-five minute slideshow, expressing and and you know, kind of recounting the history of how important belief in God, belief in faith, belief in belief in in, in religion was in all of our world leaders decisions on how we would best fight back against tyranny and how we would best, you know, stop uh the, the the Nazi regime. And and also for victory, of course, in the Pacific Theater as well. It's an amazing thing that Bill Federer does. Now he's not going to be able to do a slideshow tomorrow because it's radio. <laughs> but I asked him if he has an audio version of it and he can do a condensed 10 to 12 minute version of it via uh, the radio tomorrow and he said absolutely he would be delighted to do so so we're going to have him so I can tell you this in all seriousness if you're looking for a way to commemorate Ni- or, uh, commemorate D-Day and uh, the beginning of the end of the war as it has come to be known through the decades the beginning of the end of the war June 6, 1944 then uh, you're going to want to listen tomorrow all right, Congressman Jordan will be on with us, uh, and uh, as I say, Bill Federer will be on with us as well, providing us with a wonderful historical um, uh, presentation. So that's on tomorrow's program. Today, again, we will just acknowledge and, uh, of course, uh, uh, commemorate uh, the President of the United States In his uh, uh, ceremonies and commemoration. He read a, uh, a portion of the FDR speech as well. And, oh, by the way, I should probably throw this to you as well. What a glorious time we have in front of us to encourage you to help support the D-Day Memorial Prayer Effort. That's what the Freedom Banquet last month was all about. Um, and we had Bill Federer on before that. We had uh, Chris Long on before that. Remember, there is a goal that has to be reached uh, in order to uh, add the FDR prayer that he read to the to the nation um, via radio address on the eve of D-Day. And... Um, it's 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 so wonderfully executed and, and articulated and delivered the faith uh, of a nation uh, got behind you know our, our soldiers our bravest sons who went there to undertake this incredible mission. And that prayer is going to be added. A law has been passed after sponsorship in the House by Ohio's own Bill Johnson and sponsorship in the Senate by Ohio's Rob Portman. Uh, This is the brainchild and uh, uh, the passionate project of Chris Long of the Ohio Christian Alliance. So the World War II Memorial Prayer Uh, Excuse me, the D-Day Memorial Prayer will be added to the World War II Memorial, but it takes money. And I think they've got to raise somewhere in the neighborhood of $3 million to get this done. And so we're going to ask you again, as always, to go to the Ohio Christian Alliance website and click the Donate button there to help get those funds raised. All right, now, having said all of that, let's get to some of the more important news of the day. This cannot wait because you cannot see the headline without immediately calling to mind what New York did earlier this spring. Um, New York has become the first state in the nation to ban cat declawing. They have declared it to be cruel, cruelty to animals to declaw cats. And they have now passed a bill in the New York State Legislature, um, to make that, to make it illegal to declaw cats. Now, I will say to you, good. I I have no problem with that. We have three cats in our home. Uh, uh, My wife has been a cat lover her entire life. I've always been a dog guy, but when I met the wife, the cats came with her. And guess what? Over the course of 19 years of marriage, (laughs) I've been living with cats, and I have grown quite fond of them. And I also know what cat clawing is all about. It is cruel. People just think it's like getting their nails trimmed. No, that's not what a declawed cat is all about. Declawing a cat involves surgically, essentially removing their tips of their fingers, if you will, of their paws to their first knuckle and, uh, and and basically cutting them off to the point where they have no claws and they have loose parts of their feet. It is a very, very cruel thing. It is considered to be very, very painful. It's a very long and painful recovery as they walk on their bloody nubs. It's a terrible thing. I am not opposed to the declawing of cats, to be quite honest with you. It is cruel cruel uh, uh, treatment of animals. But what makes this story jump out at you is not declawing of cats, but the state that has jumped up and said, we, in an effort to show how humane we are, are going to outlaw this cruel procedure done to cats. The state that is suddenly concerned with humane treatment of defenseless beings is New York. The state of New York cares about cats and pain suffered by cats. The same state that earlier this spring passed one of the most barbaric pro-abortion laws in America and celebrated it Gleefully, the state of New York passed an abortion law that would allow doctors to kill the babies of an expectant mother literally up until the moment of birth. One of the most horrendous things that one can imagine, a near full-term baby, in some cases all the way full-term, can be killed with its nervous system intact, with its brain intact, with its heart pumping away. The child can be killed in utero or during the moment of birth under certain circumstances. They're correctly concerned about the pain of cats being declawed, have no problem with the pain suffered by a baby being murdered through the course of delivery or just prior to delivery. The hypocrisy here is, it is simply unconscionable trying to understand how the same state assembly, which said, yes, we will kill babies up until the moment of their birth, celebrated it when Governor Andrew Cuomo signed it lit up the State House in Albany in celebration of the passage of the Pro-Abortion Act without any consideration whatsoever to the suffering of terminated babies, who it has been shown, and if you saw the movie Unplanned, the story of Abby Johnson, you saw perhaps for for the first time, What it looks like through an ultrasound of a baby dodging the instruments that are trying to kill it in utero. Backing away, hiding, knowing something has invaded their space and is trying to harm it. Before it's dismembered, suctioned, etc. And I'm sorry for the graphic description. But this is what New York says is okay. Not okay. It's worthy of celebration. Cats, you can't touch them. How dare you declaw Those cats. We care about the pain of our feline friends. We will fine veterinarians up a $1,000 each time they perform a cat declawing because of the barbaric nature of, of amputating a cat's toes all the way back to the first knuckle to make sure that the entire claw is removed. Unlike human nails, a cat's claws are attached to bone. So declawing a cat involves removing the bone, literally amputating the last segment of bone in a cat's toes. It is barbaric. It is terrible. It is inhumane. It is cruelty to animals. But for this state to recognize cruelty to a defenseless animal, for this state to be the one that takes action against cruelty to a defenseless being, Just a couple of months after being the state that said we don't care about the cruelty committed against a defenseless child in utero. In New York, you can't declaw your cat, but you can kill your baby up until the day of birth. What kind of society have we built for ourselves? Let me rephrase. I have long said that we have built in the United States of America the most glorious society, the greatest force for good, the greatest force for liberty in the history of human civilization. We have built a great society. Perhaps my question should be altered to What are we doing to our great society? We are allowing it to slip away. Our priorities are lost. Our priorities are backwards. There is just no other way to say it. What will you do? What will we do? What can we do? What will other states do? The state of New York says kittens are more important to them than babies. 216 888 1110 You want to react, dial it now. We'll get you up and on the radio as soon as we can on AM 1420, The Answer. Nine twenty-five. Good Wednesday to you. Thank you for joining us. Very strange, bizarre headline and story coming out of New York that I had to share with you. If you want to respond to that, to the reality, it is. It's reality. It's not conjecture. The reality is that the legislature of New York, which of course represents the people of New York who elected them, believe that cat protections are more important than baby protections, than infant protections. It's really a staggering thing. If you want to respond, 216 901 945 888 Other huge news yesterday, uh, coming out of Washington, D.C., House Democrats, with the able assistance of seven Republicans on Capitol Hill, decided to pass another amnesty bill. While President Trump is fighting tooth and nail to stop Mexico from sending more and more illegals and phony asylum seekers to our southern border, um, it, 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 threatening tariffs against Mexico, if that's what it takes, while he is fighting to stop the invasion of this country by foreign um migrants and, and again, phony asylum seekers who are breaking our laws and violating our sovereignty, House Democrats and no less than seven Republicans in the House, passed amnesty again. Now, once again, we'll have to state the obvious. The good news is is that we still hold control, we being reasonable, responsible believers in American sovereignty and the rule of law. We still hold control of the Senate so we can stop this thing in its tracks. But here we are again. House Democrats passed legislation yesterday that would grant amnesty to more than 2 million illegal aliens. They passed the, quote, American Dream and Promise Act of 2019. It was passed by a margin of 237 to 187, featuring Democratic support across the board and nearly unanimous Republican opposition. But I do want to make famous the seven Republicans who supported this ridiculous bill, and I'll give you their names in a moment. The legislation would grant illegal immigrants 10 years of legal resident status if they meet specific requirements, after which they would then receive permanent green cards after completing two years of higher education or military service, or after working for three years. Representative Hakeem Jeffries of New York, chairman of the House Democrat Caucus, said yesterday, this is legislation that is consistent with who we are as Americans. Let me stop you right there, Hakim. No, it isn't. Because we as Americans are believers in the rule of law. And we Americans who have descended from other migrants to this country recognize that our ancestors followed the rule of law and came to the United States legally. He goes on to say, we are aspirational people as a nation of immigrants in a place where people can come to pursue the American dream. End quote. You are not pursuing an American dream if your first action when you get here to our shores is to violate American law. That's not an American dream. That's an American nightmare. Nancy Pelosi said there should be nothing partisan or political about this legislation. We are proud to pass it. We hope in a bipartisan way. Well, you kind of got there because you did get seven Republicans to go along with this ridiculous uh, um, bill. And, by the way, House Republicans, let me give you what. because, again, the House Republicans, for the most part, did oppose it. But let me give you their statement. If Democrats, said Steve Scalise, uh, House Minority Whip, if Democrats were serious about immigration, they would do something about the humanitarian and national security crisis along our southern border now. But Speaker Pelosi has chosen to spend the House's time on H.R. 6, an expensive partisan show vote. Sadly, Doug Collins of Georgia uh, added, Democrats are making us consider a bill to worsen the border crisis by incentivizing more people to cross the border illegally in the hopes of getting a piece of the amnesty pie. No doubt, said Collins, at this very minute the smuggling cartels are getting word out, Congress is going to legalize millions. Let me make them famous real quick before the news. Seven Republicans who joined with the Democrats in this incentivizing of illegals to cross the border. Congressman Don Bacon of Nebraska, Mario Diaz-Ballard of Florida, Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania, Will Hurd, no surprise there in Texas. He might as well just go ahead and register Democrat next time around. Don Newhouse, Washington, Chris Smith, New Jersey, Fred Upton, Michigan. I'm very, very glad and uh, a little bit relieved, to be quite honest with you, that that there are no Ohio names in that seven-member delegation of Republicans who just decided to screw uh, the, um, the American people. All right, 930, let's get news. Come back with your phone call. 35. Onward, we roll on this fifth morning of the month of June in the year of our Lord, 2019. Phone lines are now open at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. But before I go to them, I want to remind you about the incredibly important appeal that we are making right now in the month of June for Alliance Defending Freedom. Now, we've told you about Alliance Defending Freedom for quite some time. You know what this is all about. They are doing such great work. They have provided... You need to understand this. They have provided millions of dollars of free legal services to clients, thousands of them. They, they have over, I want to say, 1,500 open cases right now. They're providing free legal services to people, to employers, to um, employees, to, to uh, you know business owners, and so on and so forth, who are all having their religious liberty threatened as um, uh, they are pushed and prodded, and forced to violate the beliefs of their religion and their faith, all to satisfy the social warrior, uh, ju- social justice, I should say, programs being advanced by uh, the LGBTQ agenda and a lot of other progressive organizations. Here's an example. Alexis Lightcap. She's a black female who goes to a predominantly white school. She spent time in foster care before being adopted. She said, every day I'm dealing with different racist comments and things that constantly put me down. But That's one challenge that she just has to deal with on her own. What she can't deal with and shouldn't have to deal with is privacy violations. She went to ADF. She was a junior in high school when she said she ducked into the girl's room one day to use the restroom and found a boy. My first thought she said was to get out. My second thought was find a teacher and let her know what's going on. Her teacher told her to talk to her grade-level principal. But the principal wasn't hearing it. Instead, he informed her that it was the school district's new policy to allow students to use restrooms, showers, locker rooms of the opposite sex, and she would just have to, quote, get used to it. So when she found out that one of her classmates was involved in a lawsuit challenging the school district's policy, she knew she had to make her voice heard, so she made the brave decision to go public and to speak up. Despite all of the bullying, all of the name-calling, calling her a homophobe and all the rest, she made the uh, had the courage to stand up, and guess what? Alliance Defending Freedom then had the courage to stand up for her. They are representing her, and they have asked the U.S. Court of Appeals in the Third Circuit to hear her case after it ruled against student privacy earlier this year. Some argue that opposition to this policy is tantamount to discrimination against a handful of students who say they're the wrong sex, but Alexis knows better it's not about discrimination. It's about privacy and protection. School districts have a duty to protect the safety and privacy of their students, and they are ignoring that in this school district. So Alliance Defending Freedom is fighting in courts to get this ridiculous policy overturned in support of young women like Alexis. We have to support Alliance Defending Freedom. How can you do it? Here's how you can do it. We are committed to raising $4,500 in the month of June. We need 45 donors who will give at least $100 to help Alliance Defending Freedom take these types of cases all the way to the Supreme Court if necessary. And right now we are in need of 41 more donors. We need 41 donors out of 45 to pledge $100. If you can do more than $100, we are asking that you do it. It is tax deductible, if you can do more than 100 or if you can set up a recurring uh, monthly payment of $100, it would be even better. All you have to do is call this phone number, 800-691-8969. 1-800-691-8969. Or go to whkradio.com and click on the Alliance Defending Freedom banner right there, and you can donate online. Just enter your information, and we are all set. But we need 41 patriots to step up and defend religious liberty. I need you to do this. We want to knock this out of the park so that we can continue to support the ministry that is supporting all of our religious liberty. So again, it's 800 to donate or on whkradio.com. Click the Alliance Defending Freedom banner. Navy Man Norm is calling us from Strongsville. You are on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Navy Man. How are you, sir?
2: I'm wonderful, Bob. Once again... All that is necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And That's unfortunately, right. we have a lot of good men who are doing nothing. Doing nothing in the Senate, doing nothing in the Congress, doing nothing in the public sector. And by the public sector, I'm talking about all of us combined. Uh, I was fortunate. My wife and I, last week, we went to the Heartbeat Victory Dinner, uh, sponsored by Janet Porter. Mm-hmm. We met Congressman Steve King, you know, the congressman who was ostracized because he dared stand uh, for certain principles. He came all the way from Iowa uh, to uh, basically uh, support Janet and the Ohio uh, Heartbeat supporters here because they they supported them in Iowa. That was one of the genesis for the Heartbeat uh, victories. And Congressman Steve King, Bob, is probably one of the finest gentlemen that I've ever met. He's not a glad-handing politician. I had an opportunity to uh, spend about 10 minutes talking with him, both he and my wife. And and those are the kind of Republicans I'd like to see. I don't want to see Republicans like uh, Portman. I don't want to see Republicans in name only. I want to see real Republicans, people that have a core value like you have and like I have, or like I hope that I have. But when it comes to the state of New York, uh, I would say to all of our listeners, If if there's any way you can, totally avoid that state. Do not go to Niagara Falls. Do not take any travels uh, to New York City. Boycott those people. I mean, they're not worth the time or the uh, money that you have. And that's the only way we're going to get the point across. You know, Kumo himself, Andrew Kumo himself said, pro-lifers are not welcome in the state of New York. So fine, let's, let's help improve that point, Bob. And I think it's time that we can fight back. We can fight back with our wallets and purses, and we can fight back in the public sector. So I just wanted to go on my little rant this morning.
1: Well, you know what, my friend? I'm very, very glad that you did because you're 100% right with what you opened up with. You know, all it takes for evil to triumph is for good men to sit by and do nothing, and we need to do, do something. And whether it's share our voices, whether it is, you know, to make pledges, whether it is to talk to others, whether whatever we can do, we have to do. And he's right about the travel, too. Did you notice that? A little bit of a side story here, but it's kind of related. Um, The president of the United States has just declared uh, Cuban travel for recreation off limits. Cruise ships that want to uh, uh, go to Cuba and, and dock at Cuba and so you can go in there and spend money uh, in the uh, communist nation of Cuba, banned. Can't go there anymore. The only thing you can do is get a direct flight. You can fly to Cuba, but the cruise ships that bring thousands of people with thousands of dollars uh, to give to the communist nation, the human rights-violating nation, uh, is off-limits now. We are saying we are standing up for something. Don't go there, right? Similarly, while we're not going to ban people in the United States from visiting an American state or an American city, uh, uh, such as New York, um, we have to make that decision ourselves. When my daughter, we we took our children. This is just a little tangential story. My, we took our children on a vacation uh, to New York back in 2014, I believe it was 2013. Correction, I think it's 2013. So it's about six years. We visited New York, and uh, children were young, and we did all of the sightseeing things. It was really a phenomenal event. We went to the uh, uh, World Trade Center uh, Museum, you know, the 9-11 Museum. We went to the Statue of Liberty. We did uh, all of those types of things. We, of course, were at the Footprints, which are now memorial pools, uh, to the Fallen on 9-11. We went to the uh, uh, Holocaust Museum. I mean, all of these things were, no, that was in D.C. I'm sorry, mixing up my trips now. But we went to um, the New York, and my daughter just fell in love with the size and the scale of the big city. And she said, "Dad, I want to live here someday. I want to live and go to school here." Now, this is six years ago. She's 17, so at 11, she was talking about she wanted to go to Columbia University in New York City, so she could live there in this place that just meant so much to her. She just was, you know, was overtaken by the, uh, you know, by by the size and the scale of everything, right? And in the years that followed however particularly in the last 2 years as my daughter has become more active and as she has grown up and matured into the beautiful now uh, 17-year-old that she is on her way to hillsdale college in the fall she has become more and more um uh of a of a of an activist if you will for her age in the pro-life movement uh, she is 100% pro-life. She went to Mar- well, I had her on the show. You may remember back in uh, February, I guess it was, when they went to uh, Washington D.C. to march in the March for Life, and she she reported uh, on this program from there. So she's very much active in the March for Life and in the pro-life movement now. And when she saw what New York signed uh, about two months ago, the law that they passed that that Norm was just uh, Navy man Norm was just talking about. And they signed this law essentially saying that you can kill your child up until the moment of birth if you proclaim that your health is in danger, even if it's your mental health. All it takes is two doctors to say, yep, do it. Uh, and uh, and it's it's legal now. She was so disgusted she took down the New York pictures off of her wall in her bedroom she uh, has declared she wants nothing to do with new york i don't even think she would want to go back there and visit because she'd be spending her tourist dollars on a state that is so barbaric that's what we're talking about i'm not saying all of this to to, you know pump praise uh... you know uh... you know onto my daughter he praise upon to my daughter but um that's an example What norm just said don't you know if you had designs on spending money or spending a long weekend or taking a trip to new york you know, every dollar that you take out of Ohio and spend in New York, you're supporting a state which is just so completely, you know, contrary to what your, yours and our values are. Don't do it. Find another place to go. Start visiting states that are actually expressing, you know, uh, the, the same type of values that you hold. And I just read yesterday on the air 11 states this spring alone that have passed super restrictive abortion laws to make sure that life is protected, at least as much as we can. Uh, without Roe v. Wade being uh, uh, being overturned yet, as much as we can visit those states, think about it from that standpoint. So the president says, "Don't go to Cuba for all the right reasons," and we are saying, "Don't go to New York, don't go to Chicago, Illinois either." I started to talk about this yesterday, but never got there, and my apologies for that. We had a ton of stories, just like I do today. But but uh, don't go to Illinois either, because Illinois just passed a law that is worse. Than New York's. Save your money, save your uh, your travel, your your trips, your family time, and so on and so forth for places that actually respect and value life. I mean, honestly, these uh, these states like New York and Chicago that are doing and uh, state, Illinois rather and cities like New York City and Chicago, the things that they are doing to to attack uh, decency and morality is it's just. It's unfathomable, it really is, and we do have to stand up against it. And the only way to do that, again, as Norm said, is to save our dollars. All right, I, I got off into that tangent now, and I kind of forgot where else I wanted to go. So I'm going to regroup. It's 947. Take quick time out. If you want to get in, do it. 216 901 888 Back after this.
0: Bob France, here on AM 1420, The Answer. Is there anybody sunshine?
1: 52. now. We continue on AM 1420, The Answer. If you want to get in on the radio, it's 2169010945. If you want me to read what you have to say instead, you can tweet to me and Facebook to me at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. That is also, by the way, I'll announce again, that is also my handle on the new social media platform that many, many conservatives are flocking to. It's called Parler. I was told by a, a listener on Monday's show, um that because i didn't know what it meant uh p a r l e r not parlor as we would know you know a room, but a uh, parlor and i didn't know what it meant. somebody called and told me that's French for oh now I forgot what it is to talk or talking or something like that parlor is is a French word i didn't take high school French sorry uh <laughs> but it uh, apparently means to talk, and so it 's a place for conservatives to talk without being censored. By the far left uh platform giants you know uh, of twitter and and uh, and Facebook, so people are moving over to parlor i've created an account there as well i've not yet posted on it, but i will and if you want to follow me to parlor look for that app on your on your smartphone p a r l e r parlor uh, perhaps there's something really special that we can start doing there uh, so if you want to uh, hit me up on social media, I will read the best things the uh, President of the United States is also again winning when it comes to um his administration, and some very very important appointments you may recall may or may not recall that Mark Morgan, who used to be um, uh, a prominent member of the Obama administration and uh, homeland security, Mark Morgan has been named the new director of ICE by President Trump, and he is getting down to business in a shift the us by particularly mark morgan has vowed to more aggressively deport migrant families than we ever have before the particularly those who are faking asylum phony asylum seekers the trump administration will step up efforts to deport families writes the new york times uh, families of undocumented migrants, otherwise known as illegal aliens in the United States, the new leader of ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, said yesterday, in an aggressive step to discourage illegal immigration at the southwestern border. Exactly. And you're going to pose that, by the way, NYT? To discourage it from taking place in the first place. In other words, if you don't like people having to be deported once they're already here, how about we encourage them to stay over there? Mark Morgan, who took over last week as the acting director of ICE, stopped short of setting a timeline for deploying agents to arrest thousands, but he said deporting them was necessary to deter a record high number of Central American migrants from approaching the border. The new focus will apply to migrants who have missed a court hearing or otherwise received deportation orders. Quote, and I'll kind of dovetail on that for a moment to remind you of what uh, the most recent statistics from the federal government reported, and that is that roughly 90%, 90 percent, 90 percent, percent of legal immigrants into this country who are then told to come back and report for their court hearing do not do so which makes all of them eligible for immediate deportation morgan said quote we will be going after individuals who have gone through due process who have received finals of order final orders of deportation that will include families right now we're talking about that and what it should look like he was installed at ICE after the president in April pulled the nomination of the former acting director, Ron Vidiello, saying he wanted to go in a tougher direction. Vidiello had resisted White House pressure to raid migrant families' homes and neighborhoods, in part because of the bad optics of targeting children. But Mr. Morgan, formerly the Border Patrol chief at the end of the Obama administration, has marketed himself as an aggressive leader, and the president liked it. So I. So on Tuesday, he said an opera, it wasn't just lip service. Tuesday said an operation that had targeted migrant families during the Obama administration led to a decline in immigration at the southwestern border. And that is what he wants to follow up on, which is exactly what he should follow up on. Now, of course, you're going to get opposition from everybody in, in Washington, D.C. on the left because, you know, it's, well, I don't think we paid enough attention to this yesterday, friends. Forget about Washington, D.C. And people on the left, when the president of a foreign country is demanding that the United States open its borders and take more migrants because it's what the United States is supposed to do, that should raise massive red flags for all of us. Sound the alarms. Because the president of Mexico said exactly that. When the president of the United States threatened these tariffs, which again are going to go into effect on June 10th, if, if Mexico doesn't do something about the, uh, you know, the land bridge that they have become for Central America to reach the United States, when, when the president of Mexico turns around and says, what are you doing? You guys are supposed to take in all the migrants. It's a right. It's a right for migrants to leave their home countries and come to the U.S. because that's what the U.S.'s job is. As if there's some sort of global order here and some global Uh, you know, agency has declared that the United States is the dumping ground for the world's poor and we are supposed to take them. It's their right. We've got a problem, my friends, when people who are, when foreign leaders are dictating to us what our responsibilities are, what, uh, what our, um, uh, rights are and what, more importantly, the rights of people around the world are to come to the United States, whether we say so or not, when we have that going on, we have a major problem here that requires drastic action. And I'll tell you this, I know that the president is facing some opposition from his own party on this potential use of tariffs, 5% on Mexican goods, to get Mexico to cooperate here. But we are beyond, beyond a tipping point. And when foreign leaders are so emboldened as to say that you, United States, don't have a choice in this, it is foreign migrants' rights, it is their right to come to the United States because that's what you're supposed to be, then we need bold action. And that's what the President is talking about here. Very, very bold action. It's not easy to make a decision like this. It could upset the balance of the USMC. It could very much cause a a major problem for, uh, you know, the, the United States in terms of prices in the short term. But we need bold action. And that's what this is. I don't care what the president's uh, fellow Republicans in Congress have to say about it. Unless they're willing to take bold action, the president
2: has to. Some Republicans are considering legislation curbing President Trump's ability to unilaterally impose levies in the future. GOP Senator Rob Portman says the tariffs could hurt a renegotiated trade deal with Mexico. Right on the cusp of a great success, the president's top legislative priority, I'm told. And I'm afraid it might derail it both here but also in Mexico. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham supports the president saying if tariffs are what it takes to stop the flow of migrants, he's all for
1: them. If Rob Portman isn't going to do anything, and he's not, if House Republicans aren't going to do anything and they didn't when they had the majority, and now they can't because they are the minority then somebody has to act. Congress won't change the asylum laws. Congress won't fund a border wall. Somebody has to do something. And if they don't think it's urgent, again, I'm going to pound this home. When a foreign leader is dictating to the United States of America what its uh, immigration policies must be, then something has to change. A message needs to be sent. And I, for one, would be willing to pay a little bit of higher prices on certain things because of a Mexican tariff. I would be willing to do that if it meant Mexico is going to be choked off economically to the point where they then have to stop allowing their nation to be used as a bridge, as a portal to the United States. It is that important. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five, Triple Eight two eight one eleven ten. Let's get you on the phones next, right here.